They also believe Jesus denied directly when asked and confronted by Allah, would denied being God, and that Jesus then was not crucified. He had an Enoch ending, right? He, God brought him, Allah brought him to himself, but he never died, and so was never resurrected. So there's things that on the surface sound good. They only deny the deity of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? So this is absolutely, we will see, this is the work of the adversary. No, 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 we can agree on all these things, just not on the four most critical pieces that were just in Romans 10, what we read, um, will actually secure salvation um, through the holy, work of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. So that's what, that's what we're going to look through here. I'm, I'm excited to go through this. I'm hoping you are as well. Whoever has the microphone, if you would read that first paragraph, I've italicized the Quran. These two paragraphs are going to be from Dr. Shabir Akhtar. He is um, one of the big scholars right now in the Muslim faith. Uh, Islam believes the nature of man is pure and capable of achieving paradise. Quote, this tradition, unique to the Quran, contrasts with the overall Christian picture of an original human situation tainted by inveterate sinfulness and a radical alienation from God. For Muslims, the essential element in human nature is an intellect that can acquire knowledge and appropriate a revealed truth that informs practical religious conduct. The purpose of Sharia, Sharia? Sharia. Sharia. Yeah. The purpose of the Sharia, however, is not to eradicate sin or its freely willed consequences, since sinful, sinful action is an essential human proclivity. Rather, the law reveals humanity's full potential for avoiding sin as much as possible while doing works of virtue. This is a dimension of our nature that would otherwise remain dormant, its latent potential wasted as in an in, intelligent teenager who plays truant. Virtue is not beyond the law, but rather through the law. This is why Islam, Islamic teachings oppose any holy supernatural, therefore radically external rescue via grace alone from the human plight and the blight of sin and disobedience. Okay. Uh, whoever gets the mic next, if you want to open up to Romans 3, 10 through 12. So again, this is that, this idea that there is enough intrinsic value and ability to do good, and that if anything, it is an evil tactic. They consider it an evil tactic to presume that we are sinful, fallen people. Um, there's actually a whole paper written up from this um, this imam on this idea of, of Adam having uh, caused, brought sin into the world. In fact, they distinctly call out when Adam sinned, it was a contained event. It was a problem for his soul, and yet when he, when he was forgiven by God for his sin, when he confessed his sin, then at that point he was returned. But it, uh, no one will bear the sins of their fathers, they will say, and so then that means no other generations or anyone after were affected by the sin of Adam and are, have thus been returned back to neutral. But let's see what, what does scripture, what does God have to say about the nature of man? Romans 3, 10 through 12, and then whoever's got the mic next, just kind of take a look 
at those passages, and we'll just read all four back to back to back. For it is writ as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Not even one. Pretty straightforward. <clears throat> Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? <clears throat> and then Revelation 1, 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. All right, and then Hebrews 12:2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Then we're going to roll into uh, Muslim Jesus, not uh, Muslim Jesus is not God. So the again the italicized here, um, these two paragraphs are directly out of the Quran, translated into English. Um, if whoever has the mic would read the first paragraph, the one on the that front page, and then roll into uh, the one on the back page. Muslim Jesus is not God. Indeed, the example of Jesus in the sight of Allah. Is, that like, is, is like that of Adam. He created him from dust, then said to him, be, and he was. Oh, people of the book. Am I in the right spot? Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, people of the book, do not go to extremes regarding your faith. Say nothing about Allah except the truth. The Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, was no more than a messenger of Allah and the fulfillment of his word through Mary and a spirit created by a command from him. So believe in Allah and his messengers and do not say, Trinity, stop for your own good. Allah is only one God. Glory be to him. He is for ab far above having a son. To him belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth. And Allah is sufficient as a trustee of affairs. Um, so I should point out when it says, uh, do not say Trinity, right? So we're, it's interesting because the Quran is a direct, is directly calling out Christianity, whereas others um, uh, more so try to change it more subtly, I would say, than directly countering. Um, so in fact, we could say, if we wanted to go around the, the word fallacy that people tried to claim, uh, we could say the Quran has, says the word Trinity, but you know the Bible never actually says the word Trinity. Um, but when they say Trinity, actually, they're referring to uh, God the Father, Mary, and Jesus. That was the that's the belief here. Um, that when you talk to others, though they would also deny the true Trinity. Um, in the Quran, the teaching they teach quite a bit about the virtue of Mary. In a similar way, though, as is being taught here about Jesus, which is there's a lot of good about this person. They are important, but they are not God. And I think it speaks to what in the 500s BC is perhaps starting to grow with, which is this idea of 
God the Father, and then Jesus and Mary all being up here in importance, and they're trying to do a polemic against it. And yet, um, it's not the same Trinity. Um, it is not the true Trinity, um, but that's what's being spoken of there. So let's see. Um, we've looked at many verses over the past three weeks about the deity of Christ. Um, we even had, uh, just a moment ago, um, the Hebrews 12, 2 uh, verse read, uh, but let's, let's hear what it has to say about those who deny the deity of Christ in 1 John 2, 22 through 23. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. And then John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and um, so the portion of the Quran right before that, that said, um, this, the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, was no more than a messenger of Allah and the fulfillment of his word through Mary um, and a spirit created by a command from him, right? It's no more than a messenger. And yet um, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. Uh, would whoever has the microphone read that first portion of from the Quran about Muslim Jesus denied being God? Those who say Allah is the Messiah, son of Mary have certainly fallen into disbelief. The Messiah himself said, O children of Israel, worship Allah. My Lord and your Lord, whoever associates others with Allah in worship will surely be forbidden paradise by Allah. Their home will be, be the fire and the wrongdoers will have no helpers. So we have here that Allah is claiming that even the Messiah said worship only Allah and not to uh, not that he was um, to be associated with Allah himself. And then more distinctly, we will have here that on the judgment day where Allah will ask Jesus, did you claim to be God? And Jesus will say, they made up lies about me. I did not say that. Um, so if you'd, whoever has the mic would read that paragraph below. And on judgment day, Allah will say, O Jesus, son of Mary, did you ever ask the people to worship you and your mother as gods besides Allah? You will answer, glory be to you. How could I ever say what I had no right to say? If I had said such a thing, you would have certainly known it. You know what is hidden within me, but I do not know what is within you. Indeed, you alone are the knower of all unseen. I never told them anything except what you ordered me to say. Worship Allah, my Lord and your Lord, as I was witness over them as long as I remained among them. But when you took me, you were the witness over them, and you are a witness over all things. All right, let's uh, see what, what are the consequences of denying, uh, of denying Jesus and denying the words of Jesus. Mark eight thirty eight. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Then Matthew 10, 32 through 33. 
So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Thank you. This next section, I think, is the portion that perhaps can most catch you off guard because you probably have never defended it before. In any debate that you have with someone about the historicity of the death, burial, and resurrection, very rarely do you ever get someone denying that he ever died. That's exactly what they claim, though. He did not die. And so to have that discussion where now you are debating, did he ever die, that's, that's foreign territory. If anything, we've had to debate, why, how could he be raised from the dead? How could someone who died rise from the dead? How could that even happen? But for um, Muslims, they can say things like, no, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, right? Esau was born of the Virgin Mary. This is, this is fully within the rights of Allah because he is showing his power. In the same way that, yeah, if, if he died, he could be resurrected. That isn't a problem. That shows God's power. But he didn't die. The Quran explicitly will show that he did not die. And so this is an interesting area um, for discussion. I would say my goal out of all of this is not to get anyone into apologetics. That has not been my goal. My goal is to start with, go take them the gospel, talk about the truth of Scripture. And yet, for those of you who maybe have a longer engaged relationship and it is a time of, of discipleship over a significant period of time where you are evangelizing to a Muslim, I would say there are benefits to looking up resources around the historicity of the death of Jesus. And even, um, uh, even most Muslims are mo moderately comfortable, pretty comfortable with the gospels. They're okay with the Gospels. They really don't like Paul. They don't, like if you quoting Paul would be like someone in an argument trying to quote uh, Muhammad to me. They really don't like Paul. They think he's a, like an antichrist. But the, the Gospels, they're more open to, um, to discuss. And so um, I, if you need to go into this argument over a period of time, talking about and trying to show them the reality of multiple witnesses. And we're going to see um, where in John um, we have Jesus appearing before, before witnesses as well as being crucified, that um, we, you got to be careful, but you, I would encourage you to consider having that discussion over time. And from there, if they go, well, I disagree with you because the Quran says they did not die, but you can move on from there, that yes, okay, there's an argument to be made that there is one, then you can progress further in some of those discussions. Um, but it is a unique uh, debate to be had on whether or not Jesus actually died. And then with, with um, uh, Muslims, um, uh, Allah has 99 names, one of them is deceiver. And the way that's used, again, different by different sects, is this idea that Perhaps Jesus was given a figure, right, a different look, and it made people think that it was Jesus on the cross, but actually instead, right, it was, um, uh, it was another man who was put on the cross, and it looked like it was Jesus to further condemn 
those who disbelieve because he knew in advance who was destined for hell. And so that when we as Christians see Jesus on there and then begin to worship him as God as a result of his death on the cross, that then we are being confirmed in our condemnation and deserving of hell, right? This starts to sound like, wait a minute, there's shades of familiarity in this debate and discussion. So there isn't, I will never encourage you to try to intellectually outwit anybody more than anyone, Muslims. Because as opposed to Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims really know their stuff. They're praying five times a day. They are, it's important to them to read, read, read. And then beyond that, the history of Islam is that of, for a long time, illiteracy. And it was a very oral religion. And so it's held in high esteem in many Arabic cultures and uh, for Muslims to have strong rhetoric skills and the ability to communicate clearly. And so I know my boss, who is one of the kindest, most gentlest souls of anyone I met, he will speak very precisely, very well. And if your goal is to outwit and out-debate and to get into these arguments on whether or not Jesus died, I guess that my money might be on the Muslim that you win from an intellectual standpoint. So we'll still want to continue to get to the gospel. But we do want to see how the scripture attests that Jesus did in fact die and the significance of this. We cannot just say, fine, if, if as long as I can get you to believe Jesus is God, you, we don't need the crucifixion and resurrection. We can, let's start there, just get you to believe Jesus is God. Um, that's not enough. So uh, please read uh, whoever has the mic that portion from the Quran and what it states, and then we'll roll into John 19, 16 <clears throat> through 18. Muslim Jesus was not crucified or resurrected. We killed the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, the messenger of Allah, but they neither killed nor crucified him. It was only made to appear so, even though those who argue for his crucifixion are in doubt, they have no knowledge whatsoever, only making assumptions. They certainly did not kill him. Thank you. And um, because we don't have the verse prior, uh, I can see how that could be confusing. That first sentence is in quotes. So he, the rest is Allah addressing the lie that um, the Jews killed the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. Then John 19, 16 through 18. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Okay, John is saying that Jesus was crucified. Romans 1, 1 through 6. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of, Jesus, son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you. And then um, 
1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, in which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as the first importance that what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Thank you. And then Colossians 2, 8 through 15. And the next verse after uh, verse 5 in 1 Corinthians 15 um, talks about going to further witnesses as well. Um, Colossians 2, 8 through 15. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them, over them in him. All these passages point to the essential reality and truth that Jesus was crucified, was buried, and was raised. Without this, we do not have salvation. If you go further on in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the significance of the resurrection specifically. Um, and to deny the death is another tactic to deny the resurrection. Um, or even um, it compounds and go, coalesce as well with this idea that do you, why would you need a substitutionary death? Why would you need a justifier, a savior, right? They call him Messiah, but this Jesus is no Messiah. And so um, these go well together in terms of they, they fit in their schema, but in reality, uh, this is where I think significant opportunity for evangelism lies, opening the door to realizing they're, they're not unaware of sin, right? They're very aware of sin. It's just that they believe they can conquer it. But I think all of us who have struggled with sin our entire lives know that apart from God, we can't defeat it. And so I, when you point to that which is written on their heart, the law, and they know that they struggle and fail in the things they keep secret, that they cannot, they cannot um, fulfill the law themselves, that then the nature of man is not pure. And then from that, well, if it's not, how do you, um, how do you 
get redemption? How do you become saved? How do you get back to pure status? Um, and that is to have a crucified and resurrected Jesus. Before, um, before reading this last portion, um, this last portion is going to refer to our whole Sunday School series, which is, I'm hoping you see by now, if, if you remember none of the details on any of these religions, that's fine. You have it all. You have it all, which is, all these religions deny the deity of God. They say you're good enough. You can do some works that helps get you into heaven. They claim to have commonality, right? And just spread this. We've covered three of the largest religions in the world. Now spread them. What does Judaism claim? Uphold the law. Nah, did Jesus really say, did this, did Jesus really do this? We believe Jesus was a good man, but he was not God. We're still waiting. Let's just wait. He wasn't, he wasn't God. Right? And if you expand this on to many, many more religions, this is the tactic of the adversary, which is to deny the essential pillars of our faith. So what should you do when you want to evangelize? Ask them what they believe about Jesus and go from there. If an atheist says there was no Jesus, all right, let's start. Let me talk to you about this Jesus that you don't know about, right? If you're talking to a Muslim, what do you believe about Jesus? Now you have maybe a little equipping, and they go into, well, Jesus was really good and this and that, right? I'm not going to try to go point them to their text in the Quran. I'm not an expert on the Quran. I'm really good at copy-paste, but I can know my Bible. I can go to them and say, well, this is what God has to say. And let's say, at the end of the day, you're not able to out-joust or outwit or any of that um, uh, be able to out-debate. Well, of course you can't. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It wasn't Peter's perfect rhetoric that got 3,000 souls saved that day. There's no one. It, 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 the revival time period, that wasn't because of the greatness of Jonathan Edwards, right? That's, it's a great sermon because of the Holy Spirit. So I, I would encourage you all to break down the barriers for yourself that you might have, especially with those who are culturally, they seem very different than us. But I would say um, they are different than us as Christians, but they're not as different in some ways as you think. And there are commonalities and ways to approach them and talk to them about Jesus, because all of these claim that Jesus exists and is good. Let's talk to them about how good this Jesus is and the significance of it. And so what I hope, if anything, is as they, these religions start to, and time goes by, and you maybe don't remember the details of the Sunday school, is instead you go, I don't know what this person believes. Maybe they even say they're a Christian. I need to know what they believe about Jesus and go from there. That, that's what you need. Start talking to them about Jesus um, and the nature of man. Let's look, though, at how the adversary uses these tactics, uh, uses consistent tactics, um, uh, like this deception, this did God really say tactic, um, and how he is a um, conniving schemer who uses bits of truth, full statements, um, to bring in lies and take away from the glory that is God in the second person. Uh, John eight forty four. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Okay, 2 Corinthians eleven twelve through 15. And whoever reads that, why don't you go ahead and after that, just hop over to verse four of 2 Corinthians. 
uh, four, four, excuse me. So start with 11, 12 through 15, and then just go back a couple of chapters. Second Corinthians 11, 12 through 15. And what am I doing? I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Thank you. And then 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, we need to put the gospel in front of them and let the Holy Spirit determine if their eyes are to be opened. And then Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field and that, that the, Lord, the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to, her, to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, these tactics he's oh, been I'm using. Sorry. I didn't go to five. <laughs> <laughs> but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So this, the, the adversary has used the tactics of lying, undermining what God said, and claiming that you can have the ability to do good and evil and be like God, to have that ability to save yourself. This is, he is consistent because he is the father of lies, and it is his nature, and something will behave in, according to its nature, which is why we need to have our nature changed by Christ and the Holy Spirit so that we can have a nature where we are no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to Christ. And so all of this just makes sense. It seems like it's straight out of the tactic books of the adversary to have these religions coordinating in this way to undermine and bring about different things uh, or bring about the um, deviation and the lack of belief in Christ. His efforts are to blind and cause disbelief. So then the only antidote is the gospel. It is not in convincing, well, Islam is a very violent religion. Yes, there's there. Someone wants to come and start talking to me about Old Testament, start coming into the Psalms, right? The mean God of the Old Testament, and they want to start talking to me about that. There's a lot of violence in there. And so there'll be a lot of similarities pointed out in which if I am trying to win a debate on these things, I will fail. But I will win if I present them with the gospel, because the Holy Spirit will do with it what he wills. Um, last two things I'll say, and then we'll open it up for, no, we will not, sorry. Um, the last two things I would say, just practically, not a requirement, they need to hear the gospel, but uh, Muslims hold the Quran in very high esteem, and when I say they hold the Quran, they hold the physical book that is the Quran in very high esteem, which means they clean their hands every time before, whole, before going into it. And so it can be a major barrier for starting a discussion if you're holding your Bible while eating. 
if you have a Bible that's marked up and written in, underlined verses, the idea of marking your Bible is a very um, unholy thing to do. And so they, their belief and assumption, though again, John 3.16 is correct, underlined or not, um, so give it to them. Don't let this be a hindrance. But if you know you have a Muslim friend in particular, someone you're going to engage with, this is where having an unmarked Bible might be helpful because then they will have a greater confidence that you uphold and believe your scriptures are significant, whereas they believe it's disrespectful and that you don't really care about um, your scriptures all that much if you're marking up your Bible. Um, and then the other thing is um, be careful. We've Consider starting with the Gospels. They really, saying the word Paul or reading any of the epistles of Paul um, can be a difficult place to start because they're, they've been taught and frequently believe that Paul is an antichrist. He is an example of one of the supreme lying false prophets. Um, and so, uh, and yet most Muslim scholars um, and people writing uh, academic papers, they'll uphold a lot of the Gospels, and they won't outright deny the Gospels, John more so than others. They believe there's this, um, many of them believe there is this um, increasing layers of the Christology in the Gospels. Um, and so like Mark, Mark is okay, Matthew's okay, but then you start getting in Luke, and then John, uh, John gets a little dicey, right? These are things you don't have to consider, but but in my case, for example, knowing this has helped me greatly in how to have discussions and ongoing evangelism with my boss, my former boss and coworker, because I have exposure to him over time, right? If you have a moment with a Muslim, give him the gospel. That's what you got. All right, let's pray. Lord, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We we're no different than any Muslim, any Mormon, any Jehovah's Witness, any atheist, any, anyone. You're either for me or against me, you have said. And we were against you, Lord. And yet, while we were sinners, you died for us. Lord, we pray that you will continue to bring to our hearts and mind the gospel. We need to be renewed daily. Have our mind and spirit renewed in the gospel Lord, and we pray that this gospel, which we so desperately need, we will be quick to hand out freely, readily, eager, see people with anticipation, noticing that there's an opportunity to come and tell the good news of Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead. Lord, please be glorified in our sharing of the gospel and our obedience. In your son's name we pray. Amen.